this week's sermon from C3 Church Narara. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information or to contact us, visit c3church.narara.net. We are so blessed. I'm just standing here in the front row this morning, enjoying the worship and just feeling like we've disconnected with heaven. Where else would you rather be on a Sunday morning than in this house, touching heaven and praising God and being with your church family? We are so blessed. Praise the Lord. Let's pray. Father, you are good. We acknowledge your goodness right now in this place, here this morning, God. We declare that you are good and you have good things in store for your children. And one of those things this morning is to grow and to change and to become more like you. And so we will. God, help us this morning to be open to the Holy Spirit ministering to us right now. We want more of you. We want to know you more. We want to understand more of your ways. Thank you that you are with us this morning. Bless this day in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. So as Hudson said, we are powering through the book of James We are studying it, we are learning about it, and we are growing. So, you know, it's not too late to join a connect group if you are not already in one. We're about two weeks through of our five-week course, but, you know, there's a list of names at the back of people who are running connect groups, and if you want to get involved, it's not too late. Like, join in, be involved. You know, it's, it's an amazing thing to learn from God and to get personal revelation and to grow. That's a necessary part of who we are as a Christian. But to do all that as a church, that is something else. Like to actually grow together as the body of Christ. You know, I don't want to miss out on that. I'm so thankful and so excited that we can actually grow and move forward as a church So get involved. All right, so James chapter 3, here we go. We are talking about taming the tongue. It's a good one. It's a good one. Yeah, put your seatbelts on. Let's let's jump in. Yep, it's good. All right, let's start. James chapter 3, verse 3. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. 
It corrupts the whole person, sets the whole course of his life on fire and is itself set on fire by hell. Woo! Come on, praise the Lord. It's nice to hear that, isn't it? That your own tongue is set on fire by hell. That'll wake you up on a Sunday morning, won't it? (laughs) Praise God. So, that's what we're talking about today. We are talking about how we communicate and how we speak and how it can be done better. So, it is easy to read a passage like that and hear those words and really squirm a little bit in your seat. Like, it's not just me, is it? That's really not comfortable to hear that your own tongue, the one in your mouth, is set on fire by hell and can cause actual devastation like a bushfire. It's very uncomfortable. Like, surely that's not for, that's not for us. Like, that's not for the people in this room. That's like for other people in different churches, you know. So we can hear that and shy away from it. Or we can read something like that and think, all right, okay, this is what my tongue can do. I don't actually want my tongue to be able to do this. So tell me how to avoid that. Like, let's, let's read this and let's be a church that takes on the challenge of actually becoming better when God calls us to. Let's read it and think, okay, all right, James, you are not beating around the bush. Don't you just... Love James' directness. He really tells it, like it, tells it like it is. But that's great. That's good. It's good to receive clear teaching, isn't it? Because then we know what to do. So it's like, okay, come on, bring it on. Let's go. So we read this and, you know, it's just good to be reminded, isn't it, of what we are actually capable of. We all talk. We all have conversations. We all share our opinions. And when we're doing that, we can actually cause damage. Every single one of us. So it's, it's a, just a good, first of all, just a good reminder that, that our conversations, our opinions can actually cause real proper damage to the people around us. Good to know. So let's keep on going. Verse 7, James says, All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and creatures of the sea are being tamed and have been tamed by man, but no man can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers, this should not be. So, James is very upfront. No man can tame their tongue. All right, good. It's good to get that out in the open first up. So now we know this is not an issue that we can fix on our own. We cannot rein in those words. We cannot learn how to have beautiful conversations and say the right word at the right time. We cannot hold back that opinion when it's not the right time to share it. We cannot give a timely word in season on our own. It's just too hard. It's literally a job that is too difficult for us to manage on our own. So isn't it good just to know that right up front so that we don't waste time trying to control ourselves just by sheer force of will and just by our own grit and determination? 
You can't do it. Trying to tame your own tongue is like trying to fight that bushfire with a little squirty water pistol. It's just not going to work. It's a waste of time and energy, and ultimately we will not have success. So why, why even bother? So it's good to know that right from the start. But with God, all things are possible. So with God, we can. You probably remember a time in your life where someone spoke some harsh words over you, maybe, and you know, really hurt you with what they said. And it could have been years ago. It could have been when you were a child. But I bet you still remember it because it hurt. But it's not actually just those you know, overtly harsh words that cause damage. If we're not careful, even our everyday conversation and just general chit-chat can actually cause damage. I remembered when I was preparing this message, um, a long time ago, I used to work in an office and not the office I work in now, which is the church office, a different office, just to be clear. Um, and I would get to work in the morning and um, I had to walk past the office of a colleague and it was this guy named Peter. And every morning I'd walk past and say, hi Pete, how are you going? And his response was always, well, you know, this is going badly and, and you know, I'm not feeling great because, you know, and the doctor said this and oh, well, at home we're, you know, dealing with this. And, and it was just awful and it was all the time every single morning conversation with him was the same and so it actually got to the point where I just stopped asking him how he was going because I was so sick of it and so I would just walk past and say hey Pete and then keep walking and you could tell he was like uh uh like where's my little morning time rant time he didn't like it and sometimes he would even get in first and he'd say hey Janelle how are you going wanting to elicit the polite response of, good, thanks, Pete, how are you? And I just wasn't having it. I was just so sick of that conversation. So his complaining, and that's really all it was, like he was not, you know, wanting to actually talk about difficulties that he was experiencing in his life. If he wanted to do that and, and, and process, I'm all for it. I would have sat down and listened and, and tried to help. But he wasn't doing that. He was literally just wanting to whinge about his life. And it really affected me and probably many other people in his life, I'm guessing, if that is how he speaks. And so I, I realised that that's just an everyday conversation, but it, it really had an effect on me and I didn't like it. So we can be aware of some of the things and some of the ways that we speak that actually affect other people. So things like lying, swearing, gossiping, slandering, you know, being overly critical. Like, obviously, those things are, are wrong and damaging. But at the same time, you know, we can get complacent and things start to creep in. And maybe in your workplace, you know, people there swear a lot. And you, so you're just hearing that all the time and then you just kind of start to join in because that's become normal. Or maybe there's some member of your family who likes to ring you up and, and gossip about the rest of the family and, and, you know, you've resisted it for a long time but, again, it starts to become normal and you've attempted to join in. And so all of a sudden we find that 
We're speaking in a way that is not godly and there's no taming of that tongue. Ephesians 5 verse 4 addresses this as well. And it says, Let there be no filthiness or foolish talk nor crude joking, which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. So things like dirty jokes and inappropriate comments, you know, the Bible says that they are out of place. For Christians, they're not right. And so we have to say no to those things. And that even means, like, don't even be a part of those conversations. Like, if you have to get up and walk away, then do that. Like, don't, we can't always just stand there and let that happen around us, even if we're not a part of it. Sometimes we need to make a stand and and just walk away. Um, you know, even the things that we watch, like the movies or the TV shows, the podcasts that we're listening to, um, if those kinds of conversations and those kinds of ways of talking are in our heads, then they're a lot more likely to then come out of our mouths. So it's really important to be careful of what we're letting into our minds because they affect us, they influence us. So maybe, maybe those things aren't actually an issue for you. Maybe you, you, know, you don't swear or gossip or lie or whatever. But another way that our words can really affect others is simply by talking too much. Like that is an actual issue um, that, that many of us struggle with. My son Archie <clears throat> is great. <laughs> Such a great kid. Um, he is four. Actually, he turns five tomorrow. Yep, growing up. Um, <clears throat> and while he is truly a delightful child, he really is, uh, he loves to chat. Chat, 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 all day long, every day. And he's very lucky because my, other, my two elder children are at school, so Archie just gets me to himself all day. And he just gets to talk to me. All the live long day. Archie's main topic of conversation is football. I would say 90%. Yeah, you you think that's good, but yeah. Like, not not literally, literally all day. So, if Archie's not following me around the house talking about football, he'll be outside playing football in the backyard, but commentating as he plays to me, wherever I am in the house... And then he'll bring the game inside. Did you know that you can play AFL in the house? You just have to use a balloon instead of a real ball. So then he can commentate louder to me, wherever I am. And then if he's not chat-chat-chatting away about football, he's sitting at the table and writing about football, but still talking as he writes, and then I need to tell him how to spell everything. So wherever I am in the house, I will hear this. Mom! Did you see that kick? Mom, do you know what the score is? It's Manly vs Knights. Who are you going to go for? Or, Mom, how do you spell Manly? M. Did you say N? No, M. And this goes on and on and on and on and on all the time. And he's tried to do it with my sons. He's tried, and they, they just won't have it. <laughs> just recently, he was trying to talk to Jack, our seven-year-old, and just chatting away and finally Jack just cracked and he's like Archie will you ever stop talking to me and I just thought yeah I know how you feel (laughs) ah to be a child without the filter of politeness and I've even had to instigate a rule with Archie 
Archie, no, you cannot talk to me on the toilet. You have to wait until you are finished and then you can come and find me and talk because he will literally just go and go all day. Even just the other day, he came up to me and stood in front of me and said, um, Mummy, um, um, this went on for about a whole minute. I said, Archie, what, what do you want to say? He said, um, I don't actually know what I want to say. He just wanted to talk. He actually just wanted to fill the silence with words. <sighs> you know what? It's exhausting to hear that chit-chat, chit-chat all day long. And I actually have to be involved in the conversation. I can't even just tune him out and go about my business. I have to respond and, and, and talk back. And it is just really, honestly, very tiring. And James talks about this. Chapter 1, verse 19, he says, My dear brothers, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. So are we a people who are slow to speak? Or are we those people who jump in when there's a conversation going around and, and we just launch into conversation until we just want to share all our stories and all our opinions until there's nothing left to say. We just want to get it all out and tell all the details. Or are you that person, like when you're in a conversation and, and maybe you are listening, but really you're not, you're just kind of waiting for your turn to talk? You know, we all know people like that. Like, do you need to share every single detail of your life with your neighbour? with your husband, with your friends. That's a thing. It, that happens. And James says, take note, everyone, every single person, and he's talking to Christians. Everyone should be quick to listen and slow to speak. Because I am so aware of Archie's need to talk, on the one hand, you know, he's just a kid and, you know, it's kind of cute and, you know, whatever. That's just who he is. So I, I can think like that. Or I can actually look into the future 20 years down the track when he's in his workplace and someone is walking down the hallway and they're like, oh, don't talk to Archie. You'll get trapped for 20 minutes and you won't be able to get away from all the football talk. <laughs> I don't actually want that to happen to Archie. So it's my job as his parent to actually teach him how to be quiet at times. And so we do. We actually practice. So the other day, uh, he and I are at home and I'm sitting at the table and I'm just paying some bills, doing some admin jobs. And of course, he comes down to the table and sits next to me and, and starts writing and asking, how do you spell this and that and that. And I say, okay, Archie, so I actually need to do some work here now and I need to concentrate so you now are not allowed to talk to me while I'm doing this, okay? It'll be about 10 minutes. And he says, okay, mummy. And so I start doing my, my work and I know he doesn't understand. And so a minute later, but how do you spell dragons? I'm like, uh-uh, no. Remember I said you're actually not allowed to ask me how to spell anything or talk to me at all. And he went, okay. And so we actually sat there and practiced 
just being quiet. And he was pretty good. He's not bad, but we'll keep on practicing. <laughs> but do you need to do that too? Like, do you actually need to practice being slow to speak? You might actually need to, and that's okay. That's fine. We're all getting better. We're all improving in different ways. And if this is an area that you could improve in, then, then practice. Like, actually be in a conversation. So go to work, go to church, go and visit your neighbour, sit around the dinner table and actually stop speaking. Just be silent or only talk to ask questions. Like actually challenge yourself and see if you can do it. It's not as easy as it sounds, is it? Listen to what Proverbs 25 verse 11 says. A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in settings of silver. Some translations say a word spoken at the proper time. So not all words, not every single word spoken all day long. A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in settings of silver. Isn't that beautiful? So that is a beautiful image of what our words can be like. Lovely and valuable. So a final word on taming the tongue from James before we move on through chapter 3. James chapter 1 verse 26, it says, If anyone considers himself religious and yet does not keep a tight rein on his tongue, he deceives himself and his religion is worthless. So James says it there. He's like, well, you know, if we claim to, to be Christian and to love God and, and to want to give our lives to serve him and grow and change, yet if we refuse to budge on this issue of taming our tongue, of, of, of speaking well, of not doing damage with our words, then we're lying to ourselves and our religion is nothing. So we cannot neglect this area of our lives. We have to actively and consciously make an effort to speak well, to speak in the right time. So if this has rung any bells for you, don't be discouraged. Like really, even now, make a decision. I'm not going to be discouraged about this. I'm not going to beat myself up about it. I will look to God and actually submit this to him. Because you can grow. You know, like that song that we sang this morning, I think it was the first one, I am free. Like chains open the prison, praise opens the prison doors and I am free. You are free, church, from any sin that entangles you. You are free. It is no longer you that live, but Christ that lives in you. So when we are trying to break free of these bad habits, when we are trying to move forward in God and actually become better people who are more like our creator, you can do it. You can do it. Of course you can. There is nothing that says you cannot change because God helps you. So you can be better. You can move forward. So don't neglect this area of your life. Okay, so... Moving forward in chapter 3, so James now moves on to his next topic of wisdom. 
So James chapter 3, verse 13 to 17, he says, Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show it by his good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you harbour bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, of the devil. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Wow. So there we have a very clear distinction. Beautiful, godly wisdom and awful, gross, worldly wisdom. And it's just so interesting, isn't it, that verse 16, it says, For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. I mean, this was written a long time ago, but it sounds suspiciously like the world that we live in today. I mean, that's just the world for you, isn't it? I mean, yeah, the world offers its own opinion on every single topic under the sun. Every issue, every area of our lives where we are looking for answers, the world wants to jump in first and and push its opinion upon you. Like every area, health, sexuality, gender, you know, politics, education, mental health, like everything. And it's not just a gentle offering of an idea. It's a very strong, loud, I'm going to push this opinion on you until you take it. It's a, it's a really strong tide of opinions, basically, out in the world. Like, look at what we've been talking about, taming the tongue. Like, the world has no concept of taming the tongue, does it? The message of the world is, you should be able to say whatever you want. Express yourself. Like, however you feel like it, whenever you want to. And anyone that tells you that you might need to change in this area, they just don't understand you. So don't let people try and change you. That's the message of the world, which I just find appalling. Why would I not want to change and be better? Why on earth would I want to just sit around in my sin and be the same? That just sounds boring. But that's the message of the world. That's worldly wisdom, isn't it? But we don't have to listen to that kind of wisdom. We have godly wisdom straight from heaven. And James wants us to actually know and look around us. And he says, so who, who, who is actually wise among you? Like, no, like, know the people who are wise and godly and have actual heavenly understanding. He says, who is wise? Because you are going to need wisdom. If you don't need it right now, like today, then you will need it tomorrow or next week or next month because some kind of situation will come along and you won't know what to do. And so we need godly wisdom to guide us and lead us into the right decisions. When John and I were in our early 20s, we were renting a unit from John's parents in Gosford and um, we lived there for quite a few years and then they decided that they wanted to sell the unit and they offered it to us at a very good price and gave us the opportunity to buy it and we were very unsure because you know we knew that we wanted to start a family one day and the unit was small 
Um, it was also just really kind of dark and cold and sunlight is just very important to me and, you know, you couldn't even get your washing dry there. Um, so our first instinct was kind of like, I don't think so, probably not. Why would we want to buy this place? Um, but, you know, we thought about it, we talked about it and, you know, we really prayed about it. And, um, you know, I couldn't quite get an answer from God. I couldn't get a yes or a no. Um, I just felt like God telling me to go and talk to Pastor Chris. And so I did. So I went to him and just told him the situation and said, what do you think we should do here? You know, I'm leaning towards no, but what do you reckon? And he thought about it and he said, oh, yeah, I actually think it's a really good idea. And as soon as he said that, it was like this light just turned on over my head. And, and I, all of a sudden I just thought, it is a really good idea, isn't it? And I was just really excited about buying this unit. And I remember driving home from talking to Chris and ringing John and I was like I, I think it's a really good idea that we buy the unit and he was like oh are you sure like I don't know I said yeah I just spoke to Pastor Chris and he said it was a good idea and then I think even um, John then went and called Chris and because he just wanted to get get that same answer as well and then he got the answer too and then he was happy to buy the unit all of a sudden it just made so much sense but it was just so interesting that we didn't get that answer ourselves. We needed godly wisdom in the form of our very wise and wonderful pastor to give that to us. Because on our own, I really don't think we would have bought it because we weren't keen, we didn't want to, we didn't see the value in that. But because we listened, we made the right decision. And I am so glad that we did because buying that unit opened up so many doors for us. And also, just thanks to John's parents, Viv and Alan, who sold it to us at a very nice price, which also really helped. But, you know, owning that unit meant that a few years down the track when we did have our first child, it meant that I didn't actually have to go back to work when finances got tight. We moved in with John's parents and were able to rent that unit out. And then it paid for the mortgage and we were really able to get ahead. And then we were able to buy a house after selling the unit for a really amazing profit because we were able to sell at the right time and to the right person and things just amazingly worked out. So I'm, I look back and I am so thankful that we sought godly wisdom and that we listened to it because that was a really, really, really good decision. And I really believe that we were so blessed buying that unit and everything that followed on from that, not only because God is just so good to his children and wants to bless us, but because we made the effort and we actually wanted to know what God wanted to do and we sought his wisdom and we obeyed it. So listen to what Proverbs chapter 3, verses 16 to 18 says about wisdom. Long life is in her right hand. In her left hand are riches and honour. Her ways are pleasant ways and all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to those who embrace her. Those who lay a hold of her will be blessed. Can I just get the band to come up, please? So that is the difference between worldly wisdom, which is, you know, it says selfish ambition. 
you find disorder and every evil practice. That is what worldly wisdom brings. That's the path that it will lead us down if we follow it. But if we actually seek godly wisdom, which is not hard to find, it's not hidden away, you don't have to go on a massive treasure hunt to find it. Proverbs actually says that wisdom calls aloud on the street. So it's, it's there in plain sight, ready for us to follow. And James says, look around, who is wise? So find that person and follow them and you will be blessed. So church, let's be encouraged this morning to follow James's example. Let's be so conscious of speaking well, of using our words wisely, of not talking too much, of not giving in to those temptations to follow other people's conversations, but to be really intentional with how we speak. Let's follow godly wisdom. Let's be blessed. We hope you've enjoyed this week's sermon. For more information or to contact us, visit c3church.narara.net.